Each week, nearly a dozen movies are released theatrically. 40 films a month, more than 400 a year. That's a plethora of cinema. Too much cinema. You'd have to be an addict to see all that. But don't fret. We've got you covered. This is Cinematics. Hey, everyone. It's a new week of Cinematics. This is Cinematics episode 167. We have some really good movies to cover this week. I am joined by my betters, Eric Holmes and Bruce Perky, who still continues to go with different monikers for his name. Christmas, Brucey Christmas, a.k.a. Bruce Perky. Are you being very festive uh, this week, Bruce, as far as are you in a festive spirit? That is so festive. I, I've seen two Christmas movies in the last week, brand new ones, and um, I made it to Bucky's. So, you know, that's always Christmassy. So, you, but, uh, you made it to Bucky's. What is Bucky's? Is that has something to do with any of the movies that we're covering? Is that a hidden? No. no. no? Bucky's no. is just a local joint. Do you know what Bucky's is, Eric Holmes? Do you know what that is? Uh, it the, there was a Bucky in Omaha. There was a Bucky's, like a convenience store. Mm. Yeah, Bucky's are like <laughs> they. I think they start out of Texas, and they just finally have one in Alabama near, next to us. And uh, they are like the most American gas station that you can imagine. Like they have 120 pumps, and the the AMPM Mini Mart that it has inside is about the size of a small Walmart. Wow! Oh, so it's it's exciting times for you, Bruce. You're, you're, you made it. You said you made yeah. it to Bucky's. Did you I shop? To Did Bucky's, you buy? Bought some Bucky nuggets. <laughs> okay, they call them buckets. Bucky, they call them bu- Bucky Nuggets are called buckets. No, so, I just made that up. I know. I know. You like. How were the nuggets, Bruce? Clean show. How were they good? They're so good. <laughs> My wife was asking why they didn't do waxing, though, because then they could. Well, I'm not going to say, but let's just say <laughs> we're, not gonna, we're a clean show. Family clean show. show clean show. Clean family show. Family show. Cinematics. Anderson Callen will be back next week, by the way. Are you guys excited? Oh, by the way, Eric Holmes, are you excited? I'm going to spring some new news for you and Bruce. Because next, you know, I think Wednesdays are Bruce's day off. That means you guys will be able to host cinematics with Anderson Cowan. What do you, how do you feel about that? Yeah, that'll be, that, that'll be fun. I think that'll be the first time the four of us are, are together. Well, how about, let's make it the three of us so I can get some time off. Bruce, what do you think about that? Me getting time off from you guys. Think, (laughs) think so? Think so? If you're not there, I'm, uh, the roasting will be. I'm going to Bucky's right now. <laughs> <laughs> the roasting will be. Yeah. If I'm not there, someone's going to be roasted and maybe I should show up for the four person hander clean show next week with Anderson Cowan on cinematics. But now let's live in the present for this week. We're covering three movies. There's a documentary called Hidden Letters going back to Bruce's Christmas, Brucey Christmas. There's another shutter release. I think we should go on some kind of either Bruce or Eric. You should actually. Make a note of every single week. Do we cover a Shutter film? How long will that streak go on? I think we've been doing it for the last several weeks. We should keep a running tally because Shutter keeps pumping out movies, it seems, every single week. Actually, next week, we're going to be covering another Shutter release called The Apology. Again, Christmas, Bloody Christmas, Hidden Letters, that documentary, and another movie that Eric Holmes, I believe, kind of really dug. What was that other? Return to what? Return to Sender, Eric Holmes? What is this movie? That you were really <laughs> Re- Return to Soul. Soul so, as in S-O-U-L? Soul no, as in S-E-O-U-L. S-E-O-U-L. Uh, Never heard of it. What is that? It's a it's a it's a place in Korea. I believe it's South Korea. Okay. Place and, in South uh, Korea. And someone in a uh a French woman returns there and we'll get more in on that when we talk about it, I'm sure. But okay. Oh, I, Frank. I, I, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. <laughs> That's pretty good. Pretty good. French woman is returning to Seoul. Maybe it's her first time. Maybe it's her second time. Maybe it's a reunion. It might be some kind of adoption story. It might be 
a whole different kind of thing. Who knows? It's getting a lot of great reviews. Bruce, have you heard anything about Return of Soul before you started? Did you hear any kind of critics, darlings kind of situation? Or did you just go into the Return of Soul blind? I went into it blind. All I only knew was the title. So I had a thought based on the title and that was it. Mm-hmm. Bruce, also for this episode, not, not not actually for this episode, for his family, you had a family weekend out. Where did you, what did you see with your, I, I'm assuming at least uh, your, your family or maybe your sons or maybe one of your sons. What movie did you see over the weekend? Uh, one of my sons and myself went and saw Violent Night because that's the Christmas spirit I bring to my children. <laughs> Spoiler alert, Violent Night, Christmas, Bloody Christmas. Someone has to pick one movie, Bruce, before we get to those reviews. Which Which movie do they pick? It's 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 on, it's dreaming right now on television in the future in the future Christmas bloody Christmas or Violent Night. Let's just say that person is like maybe seventeen or eighteen and up. Okay, so they can uh, watch it. Simple, very simple choice: Christmas bloody Christmas. Oh, <laughs> you don't mince words, you know, Bruce. He just lays that brick of bat and he'll just say whatever <laughs> is on his mind. Okay, that that is our review of Violent Night this week. Moving on, we have Emancipation emancipation eric holmes i think he was whispering sweet nothings to my ear saying emancipation is the best movie in 20 years is that correct eric holmes or was i dreaming you might have to wait for uh, my thoughts on that and i know you'd <laughs> be absolutely riddled with emancipation <laughs> emancipation okay very good <laughs> eric holmes throwing down the accent or accentos oh bruce yes sir <laughs> i'm just gonna say i guarantee no other review combined the Rocky Horror Picture Show with Emancipation. I'm just going to put that down right now as an absolute guarantee. I wouldn't know because I, I am only 51 and I still haven't seen the Rocky Horror Picture Show, even though I've interviewed. Who is Tim Curry? I interviewed him several times during during my lifetime as a journalist. How how dare I not watch the Rocky Horror Picture Show? Can you believe that? Right? Bruce, any comments on that? Eric? No? Silence? It's a, Silence? It's going to be a fight. Yes, sir. It is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah. Milo's in it, so that's cool. Oh, okay. Tim cool. Curry's always good. But yeah, I mean, if you're going to watch a Tim Curry movie, Legends probably the way to go, I think. At least oh. in my opinion. Oh, really? And I think Tim Curry's in a movie called Congo, which I think I interviewed him for. Really good movie, Congo. Oh, he was, was in Con- that? Yeah, I, I love that movie. That I think I'm, I'm guessing. I think it. What about Crimson my- Tide? He's in Crimson Tide. I did not know that. Tim Curry's in Tim... No, oh, Crimson Tide. Wow, amazing, oh, wait, amazing. Is it Crim- Yeah, I think he's in Crimson Tide, isn't he? Or is he... Um, yeah, I'll look that up. We'll um, look at... Yeah, course, look that up. of course, Pennywise. And Penny... Oh, he's great as Pennywise. We all float down here, Georgie. That's he's not a he's very great, scary. Great impression, but... Was he the best Pennywise I ever committed to, uh, you know... I, I, mo- yeah, I think I, movies. I, I like, I like both the Pennywise. I think uh, Bill Skarsgård does a good Pennywise. They're they're different a little bit, but yeah, they're they're both good in their own ways. Both good in their own ways. Finally, we're going to wrap up the show with a box. What's in the box movie? Bruce Perky. We have Eric Holmes in his virtual background, Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell. They're looking like, I guess that's uh, a middle-aged photo of them. I know I'm middle-aged. I know that's so, th- that's not them from Overboard. Are you covering Overboard for what's in the box this week? Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn. What are you, what are you covering this week with Eric? Well, it's a little different than Overboard. It's called the mean season and we will describe yeah, during the review, we'll probably say why we picked the mean season, but that's all we're going to say. It's it's very different than Overboard. If you go in thinking it's going to be a romantic comedy, you're probably going to be dissatisfied. It's, okay. And I, I suppose it is, in a manner of speaking. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we have a whole bunch of stuff to cover. Let's. I'm going to throw this to you, Eric Combs. 
Hidden Letters, Christmas, Bloody Christmas, or Return to Soul. What do you feel like covering first? Ooh, let's go with, you know, it's a Christmas season. Let's just start off with a Christmas movie. Christmas, Bloody Christmas. The U.S. Defense Department has spent over a trillion dollars on the most cutting-edge robot technology. Introducing RoboSanta Plus for the upcoming holiday season. What are you going to do this fine Christmas Eve? I was potentially going to go meet up with a dude. I've blown him off twice already, so come on, get a drink with your old pal, Robbie. What's up with you two? I just grabbed your dick. I talk her out of some tender trash. You didn't oh. talk me out of anything. Merry Christmas! A humbug. Ho, ho, ho! Merry Christmas! New animatronic state-of-the-art Santa Claus, featured at our own TW Bonkers, is now the subject of an international recall. from the boys down at the scene yet. They're still down there counting bodies. Okay, Christmas Bloody Christmas is very simple. It's it centers on this really wonderful co-workers. I guess they they're co-workers in what is it, a used vinyl or used DVD record store. And actually the woman played by Randy Riley Dandy, I, I believe she's either the owner or the manager or the basically the boss of the place. They work in a small town. It's I believe maybe Christmas Eve and she wants to actually down some shots and she's actually gonna hook up with some guy she I think she met on Tinder, what et cetera, et cetera. But what happens is she ends up spending a big part of the night with her coworker, really close friend. Okay. And he's played by Sam Delich. And for a big part of the movie, Riley Dandy and Sam Delich, they have so sort of a, I don't know, how do you call it? Meet cute, really interesting repartee. So the first maybe 40%, 35 to 40% of this movie is them just bantering back and forth, drinking shots, visiting their friends, talking about, I, I don't know, maybe heavy metal music they love or movies they dig. So it's sort of like high fidelity in the first 35 to 40 minutes. But then this is not called high fidelity part, part due. This is called Christmas Bloody Christmas. There is a Santa Claus, a robotic Santa Claus from a nearby toy store that quote unquote goes haywire. And yes, this robotic Santa does not give little kids presents. In fact, he does some really bad things, or it really does bad things. This is a Christmas bloody Christmas season. This robotic Santa is out for blood just to kill. Very simple plot. Santa, uh, robotic Santa 
is, is trying to kill pretty much everyone in this small, snowy town. It's written and directed by Joe Bagos. Eric Holmes, do you know who Joe Bagos is? Or will you know who he is a little bit better? Can you tell our listeners why you might know him better than me or Bruce pretty soon? Yeah. Um, so we got the, we got the thing for Christmas, Bloody Christmas. And I was like, oh, this will probably be a Christmas horror movie. I looked up who he was and he was the director of VFW. I almost mm-hmm. said VHS, <laughs> VFW, which, uh, by the way, has one of the greatest introductions to any character with Will, Sa- Will Sadler at the beginning of, uh, VFW, where the truck just pulls up, the two guys are driving the truck, and all of a sudden Will Sadler just like pops up from the bed of the truck. <laughs> like, you've been in there the whole time. God damn. All right. But anyway, so once I saw it was the guy from, uh, VFW, I got real excited about it. Christmas, bloody Christmas, kind of like a Christmas Terminator holiday cheer over metal endoskeleton. It's got some good blood, got some, the dialogue gets a little too hipster, but you mentioned the high fidelity. So if you're into like high fidelity, you'll kind of, you'll kind of know how the characters interact in this. One of the things I really liked about it, there's a scene in a bar when they're just kind of winding down for the night before the carnage really starts. There's some metal music playing on in the background of the bar. I'm like, oh, God, that sounds familiar. What is that? And I I looked it up and it's ISIS. Any filmmaker that can put a band like ISIS in their soundtrack automatically gets a thumbs up from me. And it just kept getting bloodier and better and more exciting from as it went on. How do you spell that band? I-S-I-S as in ISIS? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow, that's a real band. Yeah. Are they good? You, are they oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I saw I saw them a long time ago with the uh, it was at the Cog Factory. I think it was Dillinger Escape Plan, Candaria, Darkest Hour, and Isis. That that was a cool show, and that that was the first and only time I got to see them live. But they're they're a pretty awesome band, so I was pretty excited to see them on the soundtrack. It's a little bit of the movie, but that that part stood out to me. When the uh, violence gets going, though. It it gets going. What what was that movie we saw? It was a couple of months ago. The the good Resident Evil movie. That's not a Resident Evil movie. The Project mm-hmm. Wolf Hunting. Oh, either that or it was called Lunana Yak in the Classroom. I forgot which movie. No, it was no, it, it wasn't quite <laughs> as bloody as Lunana Yak in the Classroom. <laughs> Project Wolf Hunting. Yes, Project but, Wolf uh, Hunting. Yes. Uh, Christmas Bloody Christmas wasn't quite as bloody as uh, Project Wolf Hunting, but it uh-huh. had some. It had some really good gore effects and a lot of mayhem going on. And I mean. Terminator Santa Claus. I mean, what's what's not to love about that? Were you actually waiting for the carnage? Did you wish the carnage actually ramped up sooner? Or did you think that preamble with the whole meet cute or just talk cute between Tori, played by Riley Dandy, and Sam, uh, Robbie Reynolds, played by Sam DeLitch, that actor, do you wish there was less of that kind of banter and they just moved no. right into the action? Or, or you no. were cool with it? No, I, I mean, it was definitely hipster dialogue, but it's hipster dialogue. I, you know, I was kind of rolling with it. I liked watching the characters interact with each other. And in fact, there's a, um, you know, with movies like this, typically uh, the, you know, kills will happen while people are having sex a lot of times. And that was a family channel. Uh, when people are making love. Uh, when Yeah. Coitus. Uh, two people that coitus. love each other we only come say, together. We only say coitus on the show. C-O-I-T-U-S. When when the uh, when the people are having coitus and then the uh, robot, the Terminator <laughs> Santa goes after him, it's like, come on, I can't let him finish. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's Christmas. Come on. <laughs> but no, I, I, I like the I like the characters a lot. I like their interactions. And so as fun and bloody as it was, it was also there's a few characters that like when they're in peril, I'm kind of like, oh, no, not them, not them. But then there's other characters that are just like so like just 
don't know what time it is or so boneheaded or not listening when they get it, it's like i kind of had it coming dude she just <laughs> <laughs> she's just been listening this is a good christmas movie it's a good horror movie it's a good uh thriller actually it's got some really good action in it too yeah this, this has everything before we get to bruce eric you're going to interview joe bagos tomorrow tomorrow being yes. thursday what are some can you give a preview what do you get what do you get to ask him Throughout the cheat sheet, what's a what's a, a big question you could ask him? Do you have something in your bag? Um, probably going to ask him what his favorite ISIS record is. Excellent <laughs> question. Just about ISIS all the time. Um, I'm cool with that. That sounds good to me. That's a great different interview. Okay, so all right. Remember, Joe Bagos will be interviewed by Eric Holmes over here at the Cinematics Podcast, and I'll be posting it up this weekend. Bruce Perky, Christmas. Brucey Christmas, what do you think? I think I think uh, the the world of Crucy, Christmas, Brucey Christmas, but what do you think of Christmas Bloody Christmas? I like this quite a bit. I'm in a very similar boat to Eric on this one. So first of all, I didn't notice that this was the case, but Adam Murphy, uh, Adam Murphy does this, I forget what he calls it, but where he'll screen things online that are unava- unavailable to be found anywhere uh, streaming. He mentioned that this movie was filmed in Placerville, California, which I did not know, which is a place I used to live when I was very little. So that alone made it interesting to me. But uh, yeah, I love I love the kind of combo of basic kind of slasher movie in a lot of ways, you know, and the Santa Terminator, Santa robot thing and having it be this kind of this janky practical effects throughout. I mean, they aren't going to blow you away but i would so much rather see these kind of effects and just to see the kind of it kind of once again we talked about uh what deadstream earlier this year having those kind of mm-hmm. effects and uh evil dead of course has those kind of effects and i think it just makes it so much more fun plus the movie looks really good for it's shot know, on movie. film yeah it looks great and yeah. they just they just play up the christmas colors to the hilt i mean everything is illuminated with green and red and and lights and black lights and just you know between that and metal and everything that's going on in this it's really really fun also like eric says once the brutality begins like no one is safe and i like that in a movie too because these kind of movies usually can kind of go like okay well this is the person who's going to make it i mean you know who's going to be the final girl i'm assuming a final girl in this but there's some other people you think might survive too or survive longer that don't and they aren't afraid to to like to make the stakes high which also makes this kind of movie fun because you're not ever sure who you can exactly attach yourself to and assume they're gonna still be around so all of that was totally fun oh and one last thing i really appreciated this i'm not going to get into the ending but let's just say there is a trope big giant trope that everyone knows in these in slasher movies where you attack whatever the slasher is michael myers or whoever it is you attack them with the weapon they fall down to supposedly they're, quote, dead. You drop the weapon and you walk away. And of course, bah-bah, they pop back up. That trope is played with to great effect in this movie. To great, great effect. It's almost a whole act of the movie. So uh, yeah, I think this, for horror fans, this is a no-brainer. For Christmas horror fans, super no-brainer. And even if you're not a big horror fan, but you're a little adventurous, I think this is not going to you know, disturb you. It's, in, well, I guess unless you're really into Santa. <laughs> Look, Christmas, bloody Christmas, a, a big saleability factor or marketability, market, what, marketability or market, whatever that is, whatever that word is, it's very rewatchable. It's one of yeah. those movies. If you don't watch it this Christmas, you might tell your fellow cinephiles, oh, you know, I have a great christmas movie for you to watch and it might not be a christmas story or it might not be die hard let's go watch christmas bloody christmas this is one of those movies that if you watch time and time again it doesn't get old it's surprisingly 
like your to your point, Bruce, uncompromising in the way it deals with his characters. It's a Santa that's ro- that's a robot that kills. So we know where that's going going to lead to a lot of the people in the town. So I really enjoyed that. And there are some shocking moments. There's that one big shocking moment. And I said, no, this is not going to happen. This will not happen. That just happened. My gosh, right? And then there there was another thing that I had. Well, that's you can't do that in film. You will not do that in film. They're they're, going to cut around to that. Nope, that just happened too. So I was really pleasantly surprised by how many really interesting narrative taboos that it breaks and I really loved Christmas, Bloody Christmas. I highly recommend it. It's an elevated genre picture. I, I'm a sucker for movies that are shot on film, really genre-fied fi- piece. Oh, also, Riley Dandy as the lead in this movie. She's excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a home run. I, I said this during, I'm going to actually uh, post this interview as well on our cinematic feed. I told her this is just a home run of a role, and she really knocks it out of the park, and she's fantastic. Wouldn't be surprised if she gets more type of roles along this genre and maybe even different other roles from this. It's a very showy performance, but in the context of what this movie is about, it's a perfect fit. And let's also give some props to Sam Delish as Robbie Reynolds, her counterpart in this movie as well. He does some really good work too. Just overall, high marks for me, four and a half out of five for Christmas Bloody Christmas. Eric Holmes, your rating. Uh, Yeah, this is my third favorite Terminator movie. So I got to go four and a half on this one. Four and a half from Eric Holmes, third favorite Terminator movie. We love. Oh, it's very interesting. I wanted to know what your. Yeah, you like. I'm thinking you might like what Terminator. What is it? Dark Fate is your number one. What is that? Terminator. So I like the first one, then the second one, then Christmas, Bloody Christmas, then Terminator Three, and then Dark (laughs) Fate, and then uh, actually Terminator Salvation is not terrible. Hey, if they want to make another Terminator movie, get this guy. He's he's cracked the code. He's cracked put, the code. Put a, put a Santa hat on Arnold Schwarzenegger and go to town. Maybe ask Joe Bagos if he's up for directing the next installment of the uh, Terminator. Maybe that might be a question. Who knows, right? <laughs> Anyways, Bruce Berkey, your rating on Christmas Bloody Christmas. My rating is four and a half as well. Oh, and I have a question if you want to ask him. I did not notice Merciful Fate's song, No Present for Presents for Christmas in this. And you might ask him if he considered that song. Or maybe I missed it and I'll be embarrassed if that's the case. And... So everyone out there, so everyone out I'm there always embarrassed, losing, by the way. Yeah, go ahead. Isn't they're losing their minds? Tim Curry was in Hunt for Red October. That was the submarine movie I was thinking of, and Muppet Treasure That's- Island. excellent excellent again that is christmas bloody christmas i believe the release date is i have to actually pull it up here right now i think it's friday december 9th on shutter i believe for christmas bloody christmas next up is a movie called return to soul i don't know if you guys what, what was your star rating on the christmas bloody christmas Oh yeah, I'm I'm giving it four and a half out of five. So right. yeah, so that's yeah for uh, everyone. I, it's one of these things where I, f- I have a feeling it's room to grow. Maybe next year we're going to give it a five star banger because we're going to tell our loved ones to go see it, and when we see it with them, it'll we'll just get a lot more added value from that as well. So let's see. Yeah, so Christmas, bloody Christmas, out in theaters as well. My bad, and streaming on Shutter, our Bruce Perky's favorite streaming service, Shutter on Friday, December 9th. Awesome, awesome movie. And good luck with your interview tomorrow with Joe Bagos, yep. Eric Holmes. That should be really, really fun. So next up, Return to Soul. Like Eric said, centers on a French woman. She she was actually born in South Korea. She was adopted. 
by French parents. She lived her, her entire life in France, but this movie isn't set in France. It's set in Seoul. Most of it is set in Seoul, where she returns to find her birth parents, okay? Actually, it's weird because it starts off with her not knowing if she's going to go to that adoption center, that main adoption center in South Korea. There's a reason why she's in Seoul in the first place. And it's actually, you get to discover why it happens towards the middle of the narrative. And I thought that was really cool. But she has different motivations. And maybe her motivation is not to actually find her parents. Maybe it's just to have fun in Seoul and just really enjoy life there. And the person playing her is Park Jimin, I believe. And she delivers one of the, the year's best performances. Just a layered performance that is, again, we're going back to uncompromising in the sense, if you, some people may not like her character because she has a lot of traits that are not exactly, doesn't really play to your own uh, sentimentality. She has her own sense of self. And when she eventually, well, when people try to actually lend her a helping hand or give her some love or cling to her or whatnot, she has her own defense mechanisms. So she's just like a normal person. She's been hurt before and she actually uses, shields people off just to remain strong or so she thinks. That is the premise of Return to Soul. There's a lot of different things about this movie that I don't want to talk about. It's just a surprising type of film. It's not an A to B linear story about a young woman trying to find her Korean parents. It, it There's a lot more layers beneath and maybe Bruce and Eric want to talk about it and they can talk about whatever they want. But I, this is a very unexpected type of film, which I enjoyed. But my first viewing of it was, mm, it's gotten a lot of love. I was a little bit mixed on it at the end. I, give it a, I was going to give it a slight recommendation. It's one of those movies that actually has grown on me the last couple of days after watching it. Let's start off with Bruce Perky. First, for his review of Return to Soul. I quite like this movie. I do see, though, that this is going to be a tough movie for some people because this is definitely going to be one of those, oh, slow, slow, dramatic discovery of self movie, indie movie. Uh, boy, this is not for me. I'm going to be totally bored and it's just going to be a slog, which I think you even said when your first little mini review of it, you said slog. And yep. that is reasonable. I can see people, this is just not their cup of tea. But I think kind of like your experience too, if if you kind of give yourself into it and give it a try, there there is a lot to be had here. And for some people, this is going to be just catnip. If, if you're already into this kind of movie, I think it's just going to play to your tastes. Uh, what I do really appreciate, and you kind of mentioned how she's kind of, I don't know, you said antisocial or a little bit, she'll push people away. There's a really interesting scene, like very, very early on, like I think it's actually the first scene. She's sitting there with her two two kind of, quote, friends in Korea. They're kind of her hosts there uh, because one of them speaks French. So it's, it's a young man and woman with her at a table and they're just talking about things. And you just kind of dropped into this conversation. And at one point, our hero or our protagonist, she goes to pour her own drink. They go, oh, no, that's rude. You should let people pour the drink for you. In Korea, that's the tradition. If you pour your own, that's rude. And she immediately goes and pours her own drink. So right out of the gate, you're kind of seeing her character. But what I think is interesting is you see her in so many different social settings and environments in this movie. She changes quite a bit depending on the setting. There's a there's an early, or I guess in the first third, she meets somebody important. I'll just leave it at that. And when she's in that whole segment where she's with those people, she's very quiet and very reserved, almost almost silent. Like she just doesn't almost react. So there's almost this this her that you see in one in, in kind of her outward social setting where she's just with other people that aren't like supposed to be impactful to her life necessarily. And when she's with those people that are supposed to be close to her, she almost shuts down. And once again, that kind of gets to 
kind of the journey of her character and the amazing performance. This is a very, very good performance. And I looked up her IMDb and she has like, I think literally nothing. I don't think she has anything else. <laughs> or if she does, it's like very little. Uh, and that is quite amazing to me because she's asked to do a lot. And she's asked to do a lot in a not so showy way, if that makes sense. Like, it's not a big, bold, you know, put on a wig and teeth and a fake nose and, you know, <laughs> become a monster, you know, or one of those kind of like real, you know, showy Oscar type roles. This is one where she has to just have some quiet moments and she has to play each of them sort of differently. I, I think this is pretty great dramatic movie you believe her every second of the way and i wouldn't be surprised if she gets a lot some awards discussion as far as the actress category the movie we should also mention it's written and directed by davy chow or chow yeah davy chow and uh, he does a really good job with this film as well eric bruce really enjoyed this movie how did you feel do you echo bruce's sentiments regarding return to soul yeah i do i thought this had a lot of uh similar dna to drive my car which I, I didn't like. Drive, I thought Drive My Car was good, but it didn't really grab me the same way it grabbed you guys. This one did. And I think a lot of it um, has to do with the relationship between the characters. And they play a lot with language barrier. I'm, I'm sure there's a bunch more that do this. The scene in Glorious Bastards, like they, they play with language barrier a lot in that and uh, nuance of language. And this is the only other movie I can think of that does that, although I'm sure there's probably a hundred more I'm not thinking of. But this one, the language barrier and what it means to the characters kind of adds an extra layer to the movie, I think. Because here's some strangers that, like Bruce said, some strangers that you should be close with and you can't get there. Or it's, it's much more difficult to get there, not only because of the situation they're in, but also they can't openly talk to each other. And... Even the uh, her translator, because she'll say something and then her friend will translate and you see what she's saying. She's not translating word for word. In fact, sometimes she's flat out making stuff up to kind of she she understands the situation is trying to keep it as friendly as possible. Yeah, there's a bunch of interesting stuff going here to the point where there's another bit, I guess, if we're not going to talk about the first bit, we can't talk about the second bit. We saw what happened with this one. What's going to happen with the next one? Is that next one even going to happen? And then just where this goes, you know, as the movie's going on, I'm just like on the edge of my seat, just wanting to know more about these people. And also like Greg, even though I liked this the first time I watched it, it did, it did haunt me for a while. It did stick with me and I just kept thinking about it up till right now. And yeah, it's a, it's a really good movie. Probably not going to be everyone's cup of tea, but again, like Bruce said, if you're, uh, I, I would say if you like drive my car, at least give this one a shot because I think the, the pacing and the kind of, you know, how, how they consider the characters, I think, is a lot closer to that than it is to most other movies I've seen. It's not a one-to-one, -one, you know, recreation, obviously. But I, I would say if you like Drive My Car, I would give Return to Soul a shot. And you might like it. You might not, but you might. Okay, yeah. No, this is one of the things. When I saw it, I was very mixed on it. I gave it three out of five stars. And I was thinking, hey, this is a mild recommend because it because of the story. Very layered story. And I really loved the performance. But like to your point, Eric... As the couple, it's been a couple of days and I've grown to like the movie and think about the movie more often than not. And I really liked how the story evolved and it makes you think about the different portions of the story and the final act where a lot of things are just uh, explored and revealed. It's tough. That's a, that's a really interesting ending as well. And it's one of these things where it will make you think. It's not an ending that'll grab you immediately, but you're going to start putting the pieces together. It might even take you a day. Or... The good thing is 
you're thinking about this movie, Return of Soul. So ultimately, my initial review of this was a three out of five stars. I'm giving this a solid recommend, which is three and a half out of five. Who knows, even down the road, and I might even give it four out of five. But right now, as we speak, this is what's interesting about Return to Soul. It's a very emotional journey. So this is actually my initial three to five recommendation. It's a mild recommendation, but this is, I bumped it up to like a definite solid recommend, three, three and a half out of five with room to grow. Bruce Perky, your rating on Return to Soul. I'm I'm four and a half stars on this. I think it's a very good movie. Yeah, I think, and I think to Eric's point, even though I love Drive My Car as well, this has an emotional core to it that's a little more clear and 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 graspable. And I think a lot of people will latch onto that because of the idea of just the love of a parent or not the love of a parent and being adopted, that kind of stuff. It's all pretty relatable, I think. So yeah. four and a half out of five from Bruce Perky. Eric Holmes, your your rating. Yeah, I think I'm four and a half on, on this as well. And I think normally I would give this like a probably a four star, but this is not my kind of movie. And I was still into it the entire time. So you got to bump it up. A, got to give it that little extra juice uh, for that alone. But yeah, I, I, even if it's not your type of movie, I would still give this a shot because it, it, it does some really good things. And like I said, the performance is awesome. I mean, just all around the yeah, the characters we will not name are also really good. Pretty much everyone is great in this all around. And it's got, yeah, it's got some really good stuff in it. Yeah, Return of Soul, here's the bad news. Not many people can see this movie because we are reviewing Return of Soul in the middle of its one-week qualifying run for the Oscars. So mm-hmm. listeners, we are giving you a sneak peek of a movie that will you'll be able to see mid-February in New York and Los Angeles. So when, <laughs> so, it, so when it comes out on DVD in March... Um, yes. <laughs> hopefully you remember us talking about this. And you can see. Speaking of DVD, uh, I, I I hate when movies do that, especially when they're when they're ones I like. Oh, when it, when's this playing? Oh, it's playing in New York. Cool. Where else? That's it. It's like, oh, come on. Let's, okay. Let's, listen. Let's, listen let's, to me. Let's, listen let's to me. Spread this out. Let's spread Eric, the love. Listen to me right now. Okay. You're not part of the the Commonwealth anymore. You're sort of a quasi movie critic, and we get these links early. So why are you feeling bad for for the Commonwealth? We get them early. Shouldn't we be happy, Bruce? Do you do you agree with me? We get them. So f everybody else. Uh, we can use f. It's a letter. Well, Bruce, do you agree with me or do you, do you feel some sort of <laughs> empathy or sentiment that people can't see it? Is it frustrating? It's not frustrating because I got to see it first. What do you think, Bruce? You, you, you (laughs) is a letter as well. C, C is a letter. There's no you in team, right? So no, I do, I do agree with your sentiment. It's a little bit of an annoyance that we actually are reviewing this movie for its one week qualifying run. Just remember when February rolls around, we'll make sure this, oh, by the way, this is Cambodia's official entry to the Oscars. Okay. My bad for not mentioning. That's great, man. That means that, uh, Yeah. This might actually have a real shot at uh, some some awards if if that if that's the case. One hundred percent. I was talking with. Uh, I, by the way, I was on uh, Walk the Cinema just this week, and we were talking about my heart can't beat unless you tell it to. And yes. one of the things we were talking about in that is when they put out movies and they you know, like they kind of put it out. It's like you know they kind of just kind of slowly roll it out. And then look, I'm I'm not a I'm not a marketer. I'm not an expert on this, but I've seen a lot of movies get like slow rollouts and then they're forgotten almost immediately as a result of that. When when people can finally see them. It's too late because they've already moved on and forgot about it. And I hope that's not the case with this. If it's getting an Oscars push, then that'll be great for this. But if not, you know, uh, hopefully this doesn't just go and vaporize in the thin air and no one hears about it again. 
That's very thoughtful of you, Eric. Again, I'm going to reiterate as long as I get to see the movie. I don't even up. <laughs> by the way, Bruce, by the way, Bruce, here's the thing. I don't even upload this podcast. I, I pretend that this is a podcast just so we could get free movies to watch. Did you guys know that? It doesn't even go on a feed. There are so no this is people- like a gaslight thing. Like you just send the feed directly to us and tell us it's on. It's yes. on. You see that? The that, airwaves. That oh, buzz proud. That, that buzz proud. That's why yeah. no one's emailing me at hamslime at gmail.com. Exactly. <laughs> Buzzsprout.com. That's a whole dummy account, Bruce. I'm just making up those numbers. Give me a number, mm. 220. I'm going to put it in right now. That's a, <laughs> our download numbers for the latest episode of Cinematic. Do not tell Anderson Cowan I just said that. Okay, so moving forward. Hidden Letters, this is a documentary, opens Friday, December 9th. I don't even know. I, I really want Eric or Bruce to do the summary. Bruce, do you want to do the summary on this or do you want do you want to hand it off to me and I, I can do the summary? <laughs> <laughs> Just, you, you want to help me out on this or, or what? Or you want me to start off first on Hidden Letters? I could try and you can hop in and, and, and actually make it make sense afterwards. <laughs> so I'm going to try um, to make this. Okay, you know what? I'm going to do it right now. Here. Here, I'm going to read the plot summary. And there's a reason why I am going to read the plot summary. And we're going to get to that in a second. Quote, spanning between past and present, Hidden Letters follows two millennial Chinese women who are connected by their fascination with a secret language of sisterhood. By the way, this language is called Nushu, N-U-S-H-U, and their desire to protect it against a perpetually patriarchal society. So now if you want more information on this movie, go to hiddenlettersfilm.com. Okay. So it's received its share of honors. I'm looking at this poster. It's like winner of top festival awards in various film festivals and documentary fest and whatnot. It is a celebrated film. It it's probably might be up for a best documentary this year. It's directed by Violet Dufeng. And let me tell you something. It's not a flashy documentary. Again, it centers on these two women. One of them is probably in her early to mid thirties. And the other one's probably mid twenties or something. One of them is a music teacher living in, I believe, Shanghai. The other one actually lives in a village, which is actually the village in the area where I believe that Nushu language or way of writing was developed. She lives in, in within that area. And she actually is a curator or a tour, a tour guide in that museum, which focuses on that Nushu script or language. And this Nushu essentially is a way for women from, I guess, previous centuries to communicate via a different, a secret language. It showed solidarity, solidarity amongst these women who Obviously, in Chinese society around back then, they, they had their feet bound. They were the pretty much subject to the whims of a patriarchal society. And it shows how this language, even though it may seem antiquated from a time gone by, it actually has resonance and relevance to today's society in the way this society treats women. So, or maybe, maybe modern women, uh, there, there is an evolution. But maybe there is a reason why this language still has power. That is one of the many things that are discussed in Hidden Letters. Let's start off with Eric Holmes. Your thoughts on this documentary? Yeah, I, I like this one a lot. I, I think it probably went on a bit long because I think if uh, they may have condensed it a little more, it would have been a lot more powerful. But as it is, there's still a lot of great information in this. Learning about Nushu and what it means, the... Uh, like Nushu, like oh the you know the care you know the the language the writing of it looks really cool. It's beautiful, yeah. The, the background of it's really interesting where it came from. But now we get to watch how that's kind of being exploited in present day. 
like people want to, you know, they, they get the, uh, the businessman like, Oh, we're going to do, uh, we're going to, we're going to put this on blah, blah, blah. And use that as a selling point. It's like, wow. I mean, taking account on how, why that, that language was invented in the first place. It seems kind of exploitive that you would be doing that. Um, Eric, that's called cross promotion and branding. Are you have a problem with that? <laughs> I, I, I do when it's exploitive like this. Um, this. This podcast is, by the way, sponsored by KFC. Yeah, new shoe <laughs> KFC. Um, but uh, so there's like, a, you know, there's like women that want to teach other women new shoe. And they're, they want to keep it alive because of the history of it. And that I have no problem with that at all. And in fact, it should actually keep going. Um, whenever men get their hands on new shoe, I, I think that's when they should probably take a step back because the whole reason this is a language is because women were oppressed. That's if that if women weren't oppressed it that way at that time, new shoe would not exist. And so the fact that men are trying to, you know, businessmen are trying to exploit it and trying to make a buck off of it seems really gross. And and I think the documentary kind of leans in on that at some point. As um, it should. Yeah. I, I talked about chaos in hope 2020 or whatever uh, last week. And I did not like that. This one felt a lot more all encompassing because even though the women were, women were abused and, you know, basically treat, treated like second-class citizens, there's still a lot of that in their lives today. They'll talk on, in one side of their mouth, they'll talk about Nushu and the other side of their mouth, they'll be like, so have you got a, we got a husband yet? Someone to, that you can take care of? And it's like, it, it's weird that they have all this context right in front of them. And then they look right past it and then just keep doing the same thing that they've been almost programmed just by millennia of years and years subjugation. And it's a, it's a really interesting documentary. Like, like I said, I, it could probably use a trim in certain parts, but that's that's about the worst thing I can say about this. Okay, the, so, the, the rest of the documentary is really great. So I, I, I want to mention the, the two main leads in the quote unquote leads in this documentary. There's Hushin, H U X I N, okay, and she is the person working in the so either curator or tour guide in that museum, and she's very well versed in Nushu. And there's I think there's a big part of the movie deals with her talking to one of the I uh, just I think it's a one of the real living experts of Nushu and she actually oh, it's it's really touching because she he's maybe from three generations past like that that woman could be like maybe her great grandmother or grandmother and you see her bonding with the past but a lot of this movie deals with Nushu's relevance in the present and which it's very interesting is a second person she's her name is Simu S I MU and the music teacher, she's actually being romanced and she's in a relationship with a fiance and she has to make the decision whether to get married and continue, follow the traditional path, have a family, work hard, no time for the self, just always just for the family and for the husband. Or will she continue? If she does that, that may sacrifice her passion and her continuing education in Nushu. And as Simu, what's very inspiring is Simu talks about how Nushu is not just a link to the past, it is pretty much a bridge to the present. So while one is communicating with the past, you can there's a way for it to apply to your daily life. And I found this to be an extremely sublime and moving film, even though it's shot in a straightforward fashion. I That was all about this movie. Bruce, what about you? Yeah, I think it's really good as well. I think what a great documentary, or at least a really good documentary does, that this also does, is that, you know, one thing, it'll give you something, you know, information maybe you've never heard of before, which in, you know, our case, 
probably pretty likely we haven't heard of it. I know I hadn't. You know, maybe in China this will play a little differently. There might be more knowledge around it. At least the idea or the idea of Nushu in general they might be aware of. But that, and then the second thing is, do you have a really focused and interesting subject or subjects? And do you get really fantastic moments? That's the thing that this movie does as well. Yes. And there's several... I don't want to describe them in detail, but there's several really, really amazing moments they get on, on screen here. There's a few around marketing and branding that are quite amazing. There's a scene in a, a, a princess camp. I don't know what, I'm not going to say any more about it. There's a scene in a princess camp. This is quite, quite amazing. There are several scenes with Simu, because Simu is the one that's engaged. Right. There are several scenes with her, especially when she's going and with her fiance in multiple scenes, and also when she's going to visit her fiance's family. There are some scenes in there that I am amazed they caught the way they caught it. They must have filmed for a long time to get these unguarded moments because there is a truth going across Simu's face that is not necessarily anything she's stating, but you're just watching it in real time, and it's just quite amazing. And then on the other side, like you said, with uh, Hushin and the older um, woman, uh, he he Yanshin, I can't say it very well, but hey Yanshin, there's a scene with her. There's a lot of scenes with her that are pretty great, but there's one where she gives her a new shoe thing that she's written her. And oh. that go- went in a way that I did not expect. And it was yes. amazing. Yes, this is, this is, uh, and once again, could it be trimmed down? Probably. I didn't feel it. Uh, I was pretty invested once again, because yeah. it was focused, but also broad, right? It was focused. It gave us two people to follow. But a broad, important subject, and, and it something didn't play, I was, yeah, I didn't it was, know about. It wasn't saccharine. It didn't play its hand. No. Oh, yeah. There, oh, it yeah. really, it really captured some awkward moments, and some of those awkward moments turned out to be gold, and actually, to be, it ended up being more powerful in, in the end. So, yes, Eric. I, I uh, speaking of not saccharine, I uh, took, I clipped a uh, quote from the movie. Uh, that one of the characters said and sent it to you guys. And I think this sums up the movie entirely. I was uh, one of the older ladies and uh, she says, we should feel blessed if men don't scold or beat us. And like, yeah. she just, like, she just says that earnestly, like, yeah, that's <laughs> like, that. that's how it should be. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I feel like how. I mean, there's so many different yeah, signals. There's just. Yeah, there's a bunch. There's a bunch of lines and stuff like that where where you just hear it and you're just your heart just breaks because like they're liberated at this point, but they're still kind of stuck in the past in certain ways. Yeah, and there's this one seemingly innocuous moment where some dude is learning about the what about Nushu and he's saying, "Oh, it's so great, just learning about it and, and seeing it's so beautiful. It's great. It it just shows how much women care about men or, or they take care of us." And he's just trying to be the nicest person, but that just sounds so ridiculous. That it, no, it's Nushu's not about how women try shows how women take care of men. It's exactly to Eric's point. It's about women needed this language, this way of communicating via this uh, script. Because of that subjugation under that, that that patriarchy type of rule, so I, there's some really interesting mixed messages that a lot of the dudes in this movie <laughs> propagate, oh, yeah. can, which is can you make it a little bit bigger? I would like it a little larger on the the page for me. That that scene is really amazing. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> yes, there are so many. There are times in this moment in this documentary, I go, I can't believe I'm a dude. That's that's really bad. It's really <laughs> yeah. hard. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing what we put women through in general a, a lot of times but look that's just one of the many things to love um, as far as the insightful stuff about hidden letters i really loved how insightful this was so it opens on december 9th in select theaters and it's going to roll out to opening on december 11th december 15th so there's going to be a whole different a, a national rollout for hidden letters a movie that is again is directed by violet dufeng 
I was surprised at how much I love this movie. This is a movie that I'm going to go back to and recommend to people. Look, Eric coined the term five-star banger. Five-star banger for me, for Hidden Letters. Ding, 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 ding. Five stars. Eric Holmes, your rating on Hidden Letters. You know what? I think I'm four and a half all the way down the line so far. Uh, like I said, this is uh, this is a really good movie. Opened my eyes to a lot of things. I, just a little too long. It's, I, and I think just shortening it down would just have that much more impact on it. But yeah, th- this is a really good documentary. And by the way, this is not a men bashing documentary. No. This is uh, this, like if you're going to watch it and take it that way, then uh, do some soul searching because that's not it's not about you. It's about them and what they had to go through and what news you means to them. hundred um, percent. But the, yeah, th- this is a fantastic documentary and I uh, hope a lot of people get to see it. I really do. And I hope we really spread the word. This is one of these movies that. You're, you're thinking, oh, it's a documentary. I, I the subtitles. I'm, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna have to learn all these things. No, 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 dude. This is very entertaining Hidden, and engaging and insightful. Yes, Eric Holmes. Hidden yes, Letters is every bit as good as Christmas Bloody Christmas. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I like that blurb. Look, Bruce, you gotta, you better, you, you better pick up your game. Man. Eric Holmes is doing really good, well on these kind of movie Blurbing blurbs. All over the place. <laughs> Five stars for me. Four and a half for Eric Holmes. You're rating Bruce Perky. I'm still coasting on Tenet as a turd. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm very good. <laughs> and that's a family acceptable term. I that is family. That yes. Family. Yes. Anyway, uh, four and a half, just with you guys, four and a half. Yes. Four and a half from Bruce, four and a half from Eric, five stars for me, December 9th in select theaters. We, we just love Hidden Letters. I'm so surprised at how much I, I really enjoyed this film. I was really, I, I almost lost it in a couple of moments, but documentary double features. I think one of the things I'm a little bit remiss about this whole year. We haven't covered a million documentaries this year, but I can tell you within the last month, month and a half, we have seen Bad Axe and Hidden Letters. These are both excellent documentaries that hopefully we'll be talking when, whenever we have some kind of award show here on Cinematics. Hopefully, I can't wait for Anderson to actually, you know what, what, which of these documentaries do you guys think Anderson will like? Do you think you'll like both of them? I have a feeling he's going to really dig Bad Axe. Um, yeah, probably Bad Axe. This one? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have no idea. You have no idea. You're thinking, hmm, does Anderson have taste in cinema? Maybe. Kind well, of? Here, here's too the subtle. Thing. Like, I'll, I'll watch a movie and like, oh, Anderson's going to love it. And then I'll send it to him. Like, you got to watch it. And you watch it. And I'm like, what the hell is this movie, Eric? This sucks. <laughs> <It> <laughs> sucks. And then there's other movies like, uh, well, I, I saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And then I, I hit him up about that. And I was like, I mean, it's Quentin Tarantino movie. I love it, but I know how you feel about Quentin Tarantino. So you probably won't like this one. And it was one of his favorite movies of the year. So I, I just throw my hands up. I don't know. <laughs> you don't know. What we do know is we are done with our features for this week. Let's go for recommend recommendations or maybe not recommendations. Let's go to Violent Night movie that Bruce Berkey already laid down the gauntlet that he, he recommends Christmas Bloody Christmas over Violent Night. That said, this story about... David Harbour as what, a, a B-U-T-T kicking Santa? Is it worth the matinee price or a full fare ticket price, Did you, you know, as far as entertainment goes? I think it's worth a full ticket price. I think it is worth a full ticket price, but it isn't as good as Christmas Bloody Christmas. Overpraised? All, Violet Night? Overpraised? Well, or I, you know, it just depends. It depends on what you're looking for, I guess. I think this is going to please people in general if they go to it for even reasons that it doesn't quite fill. For, for example, I think it looks like it's going to be this goofy, violent, diehard Santa movie kind of, right? Where you have a bunch of people in this rich manor and their you know mercenaries show up and 
the real Santa shows up and he is there on the sidelines and he's going to kick butt and, you know, save the day. And that's kind of the way it, it feels like it's going to be presented. And it is kind of that, but it's also a little odd. It's a little weird. So I think to some degree, some people will be disappointed one way or the other, but I think they'll get enough out of it that they'll enjoy. What do I mean by weird? Well, this is directed by, and I did not write my notes down for this one. For whatever reason, I forgot to write notes down. But uh, directed by the same director who did The Trip, I believe. Not The Trip. Was that what it was called? That we yes, saw? The yeah. Trip. We love that. And what, you know. Whatever Monday Happened or, to Monday. Yeah, Whatever Happened, whatever to, happened Monday. to Monday. My brain is forgetting the name. I believe his name is Tommy Wercola, I'm thinking. Yes. Tommy yes. Wercola. Yeah. Wercola. Wercola, yes. Yeah. So if you know his work, you know that he definitely gives a bloody flair, but also he has a really dark comedic edge to things. And that's where this movie sings. Everything David Harbour in, or Harbour's in is great. He plays it almost to the degree of a bad Santa, but it's like if bad Santa were also the Northman and this is just, he like, he, he stopped being the Northman and now he's Santa. That's kind of how this plays out. And there are some really, really great, I mean, what you expect violent moments. There is a, uh, a direct homage to uh, <laughs> home alone and it calls out home alone. So, you know, it's, it's saying, hey, we know about Home Alone. We're going to call it out and then takes it to right where you think it would take it. And it's quite fun. I thought Whatever Happened on Monday is just a perfect genre film. I, yeah. I love, I think all of us love that movie. And then yeah. I think either it's it, Bruce, it was either you or Eric that recommend that we watch the trip and we saw it and mm -hmm. all three of us loved it. So my question to you with Violent Night, the fact that it had a, like a real theatrical release, unlike those previous Netflix releases is there a watered-down Wercola with Violent Night? Or no. no. So that's no. good. It is not watered down. And I think that is... It will disappoint... I say, I think it'll disappoint both sides, but it'll also please both sides. So here's what I mean. <laughs> like the super general audience that goes in wanting to be kind of violent, but also kind of safe, are going to be a little annoyed by how violent it actually is. And then they're going to be okay with the side that's kind of the the Christmas feel-good side. And vice versa, the people that want to go in and see us just want to see Christmas Bloody Christmas are going to be like, well, it kind of does some of that, but it also kind of plays on the other side a little bit too. I, I think it's a really schizophrenic movie, but I think it's pretty fun. And it does succeed kind of in both sides of the of the story. I know that it, it, some people are not going to really like the, the family part of it because the family part of it is this rich, very spoiled, very entitled family. So they're hard to root for. And they're be, supposed to be the people that are getting saved by Santa. So you honestly end up rooting for Santa in this movie. That's really what happens. All right. Well, at least it's a solid Ricola outing. Uh, Eric, mm -hmm. you were going to say something? Yeah, I'm looking up his IMDb, and he's got two movies in pre-production, it looks like, for whatever that's worth, because sometimes the pre-productions in IMDb happen or not. Yeah. But he's got uh, two of them. One's called Death Row Menace, or Death Row Mance. Mm -hmm. Another one is, and Greg, you can cut this if you need to. Death <laughs> Romance. The movie's called Spermageddon. Oh, no, no, oh, that's gosh. good. That's, that's, a birth, so that's a birth situation. I am looking forward to both of those. That so is, that he's, that. he's just playing with genre. He's totally playing with genre. Okay, so that sounds like a very solid review from you, Bruce. What would yeah. you give Violent Night as a rating? I would actually call this one a three-star banger. I think this is, this is it knows what it is. It's kind of weird what it is, but it knows what it is, and it's going to give that to you. And if you're on board for that, you're going to have a good time. Okay, good time. Three-star banger from Bruce. 
Uh, Eric and I will probably watch it whenever it hits whatever streaming service it uh, comes out. Eric, do you have time? You don't have time to watch it in theaters. You're not going to watch it in theaters. Are you going to see it or you're going to watch it? I would say this weekend, but we're going to see uh, Goblin at Stanley Hotel this weekend. Okay, so, nice. That's a nice. fair excuse. <laughs> Very. That should that should be have a good time over that. That should be really really great. Speaking of really really great, I remember before the Chris Rock slap. A lot of people were talking about how Emancipation was going to be the movie that swept the Oscars, and it was going to give Will Smith that his first ever Oscar. Well, he's already accomplished that with what was the movie King Richard, right? So everything's fine. He got that Oscar. The slap with Chris Rock not so good, but does Emancipation live up to that early hype from a year ago? Is it an Oscar worthy film? Is it going to sweep the Oscars? Is it one of the best films of the year? And so far, when I'm looking at Rotten Tomatoes or some of the reviews I've read. The answer is a resounding no. Emancipation looks like almost a pretty big creative fail. A lot of people do not like this movie. Some people it got some decent reviews, but most of the stuff I've been see, seeing is very middling, if not even a mild recommendation of Will the Will Smith headlined Emancipation. Let's start off with Eric Holmes. You got the ball rolling with saying, "Hey, let's go check out Emancipation." I immediately said, "No." You went <laughs> you went into the fray and you saw it. Your thoughts on this movie? Well, first of all, I want to talk about Anton Fuqua because I love Anton Fuqua. I believe his uh, magnum opus is Brooklyn's Finest. That's uh, Fuqua's finest as well. He also obviously did The Equalizer, The Sequelizer, and uh, I believe The Three Equalizer is coming out soon. And By the this- way, I like those movies. I Those yeah. movies are fine. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, me too. And the thing about Emancipation is I think they kind of uh, fit in that sort of kind of action space that Anton Fuqua works in there's you know it's it's basically a, a slave leaves the leaves the area and then uh Ben Foster's chasing up uh chasing Will Smith down to slap him I guess he was angry about him and anyway that's the joke that <laughs> that's a will joke. never be funny but <laughs> okay. anyway yeah, Ben Foster and his cronies are chasing down Will Smith and uh, two other slaves that got away a lot of the movie is that the cat and mouse game you know the chase and then where it kind of lost me was kind of towards the end where he joins the union army and then oh okay this is about like you've seen maybe some people have seen the picture of black slave i can't remember i don't know if this is his name or if this is probably maybe something i shouldn't say but i believe it's whipped pete is what the wikipedia said but he, it's showing his back and he's got all the scars from being whipped on his back and apparently okay this is a biopic of this uh person in history um, the slave in history. That's kind of where it lost me because it didn't seem like a movie that took itself that seriously at first. It, it just seemed like a kind of a chase thriller. And then all of a sudden it turned into this kind of almost like it was trying like, oh, this is a message piece. I'm like, eh, it kind of really wasn't. It, it was kind of a slave porn before then. You ever see a movie where it seems like it's got its heart in the right place, but it just, it's not, it's not hitting the notes that I think it wants to. That's kind of where this one is. Uh, there, there's some great scenes in this. I think Will Smith is really good in it, even though he's kind of hamming it up maybe a little too much. Whipped uh, ben, Peter. The name is, the name is Gordon or Whipped Peter. Yeah, Whipped Peter. Photo from 1863. And it's, I guess it's, yeah. it's, uh, the movie is based on his or inspired by his Gordon's Escaped. Escaped. Yeah. And by by the way, if Whip Peter is not the proper name, I should have said, I apologize. I didn't know. I just I just saw that on Wikipedia. 
It's weird because I, I would say that if it wasn't about such serious subject matter, maybe I could have had fun with it. But Django Unchained did almost the exact same thing. Django Unchained worked. And mm-hmm. I can't put my finger on why. Maybe because this it kind of tries to eat its cake and have it too by ha- being an action movie and being self-serious where, where Django Unchained, it takes slavery seriously, but that's that's where it's leaning into the action of it. Of we, we all know slavery was bad. And wouldn't it be cool if Django came up and, you know... It, you get the uh shot in Florida towards the uh the slave owners. So uh yeah, it's uh, I don't know. Emancipation is kind of a mixed bag, but I think that might be where it fails. Oh fails okay. is a strong word. But yeah. Bruce, mixed bag. Eric calls it a mixed bag. Do you think the movie failed? Yeah, I think Eric kind of nailed the problem, and that is if you're gonna be this kind of Oscar bait sort of really serious, like you know, you're presenting yourself as a serious like look at the 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 cruelty and inhumanity of history like a Schindler's List or something, then you really can't also have this, you know, action movies, even almost tropey kind of adventure in the same time. But if you're going to go and right out of the gate say, hey, we're doing this in a really weird way and we're going to know it and do it in a knowing way, like a Tarantino movie or something like that, then you can get away with it because you're saying right out of the gate, like, look, this is not real this is not being reality this is not going to be this this spare real look at history so yeah you have to either be one or the other you have to be you have to either be django unchained or you have to be 12 years a slave you know you have to pick your lane because when you put them together it makes it very odd because it's it's like are we supposed to be entertained by this <laughs> that's going to keep on a feeling throughout the movie and it was so scene chewing and so melodramatic and so over the top in some of these scenes you know it's just it's kind of silly uh, i actually disagree on on will smith's performance i think it's pretty bad i think his i think his accent for me like i was right out of the gate like pulled out by his accent and eh, maybe i'm not the best judge of accents but and i don't usually notice accents but i was like oh boy here we go <laughs> and, and he's just doing that and kind of mugging the whole time to you know be really angry and you know just stretch out his neck and you know jut his chin out and look really angry but they play him almost off as a superhero like he is unstoppable he's fighting alligators with his bare hands he's doing all kinds of crazy stuff in this movie all right yeah yeah emancipation yeah not good emancipation rotten tomatoes tomato meter by 61 reviews 49 percent here's the audience score fewer than 50 verified ratings emancipation has 100 percent rating so far from the audience. So that's interesting. Yeah. I believe it's currently that makes sense. Currently streaming, right? It's currently on Apple TV Plus. Is that is that correct? Not for yet, I think Friday. Friday. Okay. So that is Emancipation running at 132 minutes. Eric Holmes, your your rating on Emancipation. I'm probably gonna give it a two point five. I, I will say real quick to the Bruce's thing on uh, the Will Smith. I, I liked his acting because I saw him as the character he was supposed to be, and as big of a star as Will Smith is, I thought I'd be seeing Will Smith the whole time. I did not, but that's mileage. We we, 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 <laughs> we, we, we we can agree to disagree on that for sure. Yeah. But yeah, Bruce Bruce is not wrong. He's definitely mugging, but I I kind of saw him as the character. We must. Oh uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> yeah, Bruce, you're raised. God you're... is on the outside. We we must pray to God. And it was like, yeah, it was it was a little weird, but I, I still like that part. <laughs> As an over the top action movie, it in the vein of like the Revenant survival action kind of movie, I'd say it's about a four star. As a as a hard-hitting, realistic historical drama. It's probably about one and a half stars. So I'm going to give it two and a half stars. Two and a half stars for Eric Holmes and two and a half stars for Bruce Perky. So that is it for our 
featured reviews and our recommendations or maybe not recommendations. At least we got we got one good in, good one in with Violent Night. Two and a half stars is under not even a, that's not even a mild recommend. Our mild recommend cutoff is three stars. But who knows? Like like Eric was saying, hundred percent audience score. So there will be people. There will be a lot of people yeah. who love Emancipation. Tell us what you think of this movie. Yes, Eric, you're gonna. Oh no! I, I was just gonna say, like the the forty percent critics, hundred percent audience. That that doesn't really surprise me because it seems like uh, I I think some people would probably probably dig this, and then other people will not. That's how movies work. <laughs> Speaking of how movies work, let's see how this movie called The Mean Season works. That's Bruce Perky's What's in the Box pick this week. There is a reason why The Mean Season is in the box. Bruce, can you tell our listeners why? Yeah, so we did a special episode of the Force 5 podcast, and we had to pit against each other who would come up with the best five movies by Kurt Russell. But each time one of us picked a movie, then the other one couldn't pick that movie. So we had to pick different movies than each other. And then we each kind of picked a movie that we would watch by Kurt Russell, depending on who won. And I guess my list won, so I, I'd never seen the mean Handily. Handily. Yeah, I <laughs> <laughs> it was all that overboard. I had that overboard bump. Um, <laughs> once again, overboard. Um, mm-hmm. Don't sleep on that. And I picked the mean season. I'd never seen it, but I'd heard of it. But it just was like a blind spot in my Kurt Russell filmography. So I said, hey, let's watch the mean season. So we did. Okay. So the mean season, it looks, I saw the trailer and Bruce was saying it's the greatest Greg movie ever. And who knows, maybe because he said that I might, when I have, when I have the time, I might go see the Mean Season. Let's start it off with Eric Holmes. The Mean Season is this movie with Kurt Russell, Mariel Hemingway, directed by, I believe, Philip Borsos, who, interesting, I remember one of his films back in the day, 1982, the 1982 film, The Gray Fox. But how was The Mean Season for you, Eric Holmes? This was a pretty fun thriller. It was uh, kind of similar to, uh, I guess, Zodiac, that kind of that kind of thing where the reporters kind of get involved in a uh, getting involved with looking for a serial killer. I wanted to point out the writer or one of the writers, Christopher Crow. So Christopher Crow wrote Fear. It was like uh, Last of the Mohicans. And I thought there was another one, but I guess that was it. He was um, a creator of the TV series, The Untouchables. I think it ran for a couple, couple years, yeah. 93 and 94, which is good. Airwolf, BJ and the Bear. His family show, got a career, uh, Breda. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. that, this had some, this had some good stuff in it. Yeah, it's basically so. Kurt Russell, he's a uh, reporter, and he get and there's a serial killer going around. They know about this, and he gets a call from the serial killer, and so now him and the serial killer have this kind of relationship going back and forth, where he calls Kurt Russell's character, and Kurt Russell records the conversations, gives it to the police. Uh, one of them played by what is his Andy name? Garcia. Andy Garcia. Thank you. Joey Pants is in as uh, Kurt Russell's uh, photographer. Richard Mazur. He's the the Mazur. Yeah, yeah, Mazur. But anyway, I, I'm sucking at this thing. But anyway, he he's going around, and it's kind of a back and forth between him and the serial killer, and him and the cops. And then he he becomes part of the story, which I guess is part of it. It's not too deep, but it's pretty good. Uh, pretty good '90s thriller. I don't know what year it came out, but '85. Uh, so is it by the numbers? 30. Is it a by the numbers thriller, or does it have any any extra? You know, action? it kind of is, but I don't know if that's because I don't know if it was maybe ahead of its time when it came out, and it's by the numbers now. I wasn't watching a lot of thrillers back in the early '80s, so I don't know really what to compare it to. 
but it, it's got some good stuff in it. Um, this is not certainly not a five star movie, but it was, uh, I mean, it, it was good enough. It was entertaining. Kind of goes where you might think it does. We mentioned Bruce joked earlier that it was a romantic comedy. And I still kind of think it is in some ways because the uh, the relationship between Kurt Russell's character and the serial killer gets to be like the serial killer. Like, really? Oh, he he really likes Kurt Russell. Like, you know, uh, he's, he's a big fan of his. And so there's kind of like a budding relationship there. Uh, Mariel Hemingway plays girlfriend. I'm guessing she probably could have got a better role than damsel but again this is 85 so can't i guess you can't expect too much but overall it's it's a decent thriller i'd I'd recommend it for anyone that likes those kind of movies bruce your your take on the mean season very similar to eric uh it's this is a pretty straightforward kind of cop thriller procedural but it's a pretty solid one for the 80s and it doesn't one thing I, i did like about it a lot is it doesn't have a lot of that kind of 80s flash and cheese that a lot of 80s you know cop movies had it doesn't have it isn't super flashy. It doesn't have super colorful palette. It stays pretty realistic and pretty grounded. In fact, that a lot of the scenes, like the scenes in the cop station, I read that were actually in a cop in the cops police station for Miami, and the news scenes were in an actual newsroom. So they did quite a bit of stuff that is pretty authentic, which would kind of gave it a nice kind of a nice feel to it. And even some of the locations they shoot at out in the you know Everglades and stuff all looked really good. The story itself was a little bit like you said, by the numbers, but I, I'll, I really wonder how much this might've affected seven, another Fincher movie, oh, yeah. because this is almost plot wise, a combination between seven and Zodiac in a lot of ways, which is really interesting. Cause if you look at the beats of seven, this hits a lot of the beats of seven in, to the point that it even has the number on the, of five on the poster, you know, cause he, he says he's going to kill five people. It obviously doesn't have the, the flair and the drama that comes out in seven and the style, but it's, it's kind of interesting as an artifact, I guess, in that aspect. But just like Eric, this is, if you like cop procedurals, especially kind of older ones, and this is one that you've never seen, I, it's entertaining enough. It's fun enough to watch. You're not going to feel, you know, gypped by it, but it's not going to also <laughs> knock you out, you know, with the awesomeness. So it's pretty good. It's got a, 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 I was just thinking, it's got kind of like a consenting adults kind of, kind of flavor to it, or kind of, it's kind of like one of those type of movies. I had another one and I forgot it, but a seven's actually a great call because, yeah, you're right. It's almost, a seven's almost beat for beat. The, nearly the same movie that this is just with like a few minor changes we're talking about christmas movies and on this episode a year after the mean season director philip borsos directed a disney film 1985 one magic christmas headlined by mary bleeping steenburgen and mary steenburgen is hosting a reception for a movie i forgot what movie this weekend if i wanted to do, do some extra research for cinematics i would attend that wine and dine reception and asked Mary Steenburgen, what was it like to work with Philip Borsos in One Magic Christmas? Because also starring on One Magic Christmas is a child actor named Sarah Polly. She's also in One Magic Christmas. Sarah Polly is getting a lot of awards talk this year for her directing feature. I think women talk, I think it's called women talking. Everything just comes together. There's different links Everywhere. But let's talk about for, I guess, the present in the past. This movie was made in 1985. The Mean Season. I forgot to to ask you guys, Kurt Russell, is he really good in this movie? Does he, is it a standout role or is it just, it's just a role within the. the, uh, Is Kurt Russell ever not good? There you go. There, That's good. That is good. Eric Holmes, your rating on The Mean Season. 
you know, I'd probably go three and a half on this. Okay, I almost want to go three star banger, but I'll, I'll go three, three and a half. It's, it's, uh, yeah, especially after Bruce brought up the seven thing. I'm like, yeah, that's, I pretty much nailed it. So, okay. yeah, we're good. Solid recommend from Eric Holmes for the mean season. Bruce Berkey, your rating. This is apparently the episode where I just agree with everything that Eric said. <laughs> well, it's because I'm going to right. disagree next week. <laughs> uh, I'm going to the three and a half, too. I'm three and a half. What would be my rating for the mean season, Bruce? Since it's you, the greatest Greg of all movies. What, what did you, you think? What, what what did you think of Tequila Sunrise? Haven't seen it. Oh, oh I love Tequila Sunrise. Yeah, uh, I, I love the song, the Eagle song. Haven't seen oh, what, the movie. What was, with that, Fire. what was that Nick Nolte movie we saw? I think Mulholland mm. Falls. Mulholland yeah. Falls. Yeah. See, it, Mulholland Falls is a lot more melodramatic and cheesy than this movie. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, it's got, it's still got that same kind of same yeah. kind of look. Like, it, yeah, all, all these movies I'm mentioning have like similar DNA, mostly to how it looks. Yeah, I think you might like it, but I thought you'd have returned to soul. I would say Greg would at least four star this movie. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. That is a possible four stars for me for the mean season (laughs) for this week's box. Speaking of in the box, do we end the show? How do we do this? Do we end the show with you shaking the box, a family show and finding a movie? How do we do it for next week? Bruce, I mean, I can do that. I can shake. I can yeah. shake it. Shake, shake it. I shake can shake it box. and just and just like the tease them and not tell them what's in the box, or I could open it and tell the them. The family show, please kindly tell us what's in the box, Bruce Perky. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's in the box, Bruce? What's in the freaking box? And what is in the box? Let's see. Okay, a movie from this year that I haven't seen. At least one of you has seen it, and that is. I'm finally going to watch Brian and Charles. Brian and Charles. Okay. This is a movie that Anderson really loves because he continues to um, impersonate, I think, either Brian or Charles because in, in a very good fashion. I, I like that movie. So I did interviews for Brian and Charles. You haven't seen that movie either, right, Eric? No, I haven't. Okay. So I, Brian and Charles, it's on. I'll, I'll watch it for next week. Huh? Or it's on next month. I, I forget how we're doing this now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's weird. <laughs> it's, it's a weird thing. Since we moved over from Find Your Film Podcast to Cinematics. And also, it's going to be intermittent, but I, I'm still posting some DVD or Blu-ray just thingamabobs on our Find Your Film Podcast feed. That feed is not dead. Bruce Perky mentioned about a, a DVD or Blu-ray that he may review. I believe it's called The Cure or Cure. There's a movie called The Cure that we can actually do a double feature on it as well, which is, I think it's a movie directed by Peter Horton right off the top of my head, I'm guessing. So, but you're, you're actually doing another movie called The Cure or Cure, right? It's a Japanese film, Bruce Perky or yes. Korean film. What? Cure. Yes. Cure. It came out on Criterion this year. I've been waiting to get a really good copy of it. I loved it back in the late 90s when I saw it originally, and I'm going to check it out again. So whenever Bruce reviews Cure on Blu-ray or DVD, wherever he got it, and he, he'll, uh, that audio stream will be on our Find Your Film podcast, along with other Blu-ray, DVD, physical media coverage on our Find Your Film podcast. But for now, a lot of the meat of our reviews and interviews will be here, housed here on the Cinematics podcast. And yes, great news. Anderson Cowan will be joining us next week here on Cinematics. Final thoughts, Eric Holmes. Yeah, check out uh, check out Return to Full. Check out Re- Hidden Letters. You know, on wish him luck uh, on Joe Vegas. Mar- March of yeah. twenty twenty five when they finally come out that everyone else can see it. And uh, Christmas, right. bloody Christmas. Yeah, we we got, we got some. Yeah, you know, we got one that wasn't. You know, but we got some bangers this week. So yeah, check them out for sure. Is there is there a secret interview that you're going to be releasing on on next week, Eric Holmes? Can you tease something for next week too? No, I can't. He can't. And that's another spoiler <laughs> that I'm not going to cut. I, I will tease it by saying there's something coming out next week, and it's going to be pretty cool. We'll talk, we'll, we'll talk about it next week for sure. We'll see you next week with Anderson Cowan. Final, final thoughts. 
from Bruce Berkey. Hey, go over to the Cinematics Group if you're not already there. And every day I'm posting my top 31 movies for 2022. And so far I'm six or seven movies in. So you might find something you're interested in. Awesome. See you guys next week.